Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers. We've still got author Dan Wells with us talking about his latest book, Extreme Makeover Apocalypse Edition, which Yay. is amazing. I know I've heard about this several times over the years, and I'm excited that it finally came out to read it because, wow, it was fantastic. Thank you very much. Now, just, I mean, I know I've kind of got the backstory, but where did the idea for this book come from? All right, so uh, this is a book about cloning. And, and years ago, years and years ago, before I even started working on partials, so we're talking like seven or eight years, um, I, was, I was working on some other thing. It was some awful book that I had a really good idea for, but the execution wasn't working out, and I didn't like it, and I was bored by it. So I kept finding excuses to not actually write it, which is never a good sign. All right. <laughs> So I was uh, I wandered out away from my computer and turned on the TV and the sixth day was on uh, the the Schwarzenegger cloning movie yeah which is better than you remember it but still not great yeah um, so there's a scene the very first scene where he sees a clone of himself uh, everyone thinks he's dead and so they make a new one and then the one they thought was dead comes back and he's walking up the driveway to his house and he looks through the window and he sees himself talking to his family yeah and he realizes in that moment that he's not the only him anymore and that was really profound for me like that that affected me really strongly because i think that that is one of the core aspects of our identity at least in america that we are all unique and we are all special and there's no one in the world exactly like us except now there is someone exactly like him. And, and what does that do to you? And what does that do to your identity? And so I thought, that's awesome. I want to play with clones, but I want to do it in a way that no one's ever done it before because clones have been around forever. People have been writing clone stories for like 100 years or more, um, at least in modern science fiction. So I thought, well, what's a branch of science that I know a lot about? and realized that I had spent eight years working in the beauty industry, which is actually one of, if not the, most forward-thinking, innovative branches of consumer chemicals. And so I thought, well, that sounds fun. What if there was a hand lotion that had a biomimetic formula that could, instead of adapting to your DNA, it would adapt your DNA to it. It would start overriding your DNA and turning you into a copy of somebody else. 
And that idea just exploded in my head. And I knew that it was a great idea when I started telling it to other people and they would immediately come up with all kinds of crazy situations. Like, well, what if this happened? Or what if you did this with it? And there's so many little corner cases or big sweeping things like, you know, if, if you buy a supermodel hand lotion for your wife because you want her to look like a supermodel and you bring it home and you give it to her without her knowing, that's probably a crime, right? But yeah. it's not a crime that our legal system is equipped to deal with um, because just giving someone the wrong hand lotion is not illegal. Turning someone into somebody else is nothing we have any precedence for. So what would happen and how would you prosecute it and how would society react when all of a sudden that's a possibility? And then to carry that same example further, what if in the process of secretly switching out my wife's hand lotion, I get some on myself? Yeah. It's very unfortunate. Supermodel. And in some states, we wouldn't even be married anymore. Like, at, at that point, there's all kinds of crazy things that could happen. And so this idea was just too fun, and I spent years working on it, and Finally, it came out in November, and I'm super, super excited. Now, because you kind of worked in the, the health and beauty industry, did you have to do a lot of research for this, or was this a lot of stuff you already knew? Well, um, still needed to do a lot of research. Okay. Um, I, I think where my familiarity with the industry shines through is in the conversations. Okay. I was having a, a text conversation with somebody the other day saying, wow, you know, I love the way that you were writing this board meeting. Did you have to go to a lot of board meetings? And yes, I did. You know, <laughs> over the course of eight years, especially in the very last company I worked for before I quit and went full time as an author, I was uh, very high placed. I was basically the not the creative director, but almost I was the lead writer. I, I so anyway, I have had a lot of experience sitting around in board meetings while very high-powered executives argue with each other about what to do and where to go and all of these things. And the version that I present in the book is much more jaded and cynical and evil than the real world is. Though in general, the beauty industry is just not a nice place. Yeah. Well, I mean, de definitely those board meetings he had in the book... They flowed just like a normal board meeting. I've sat in several myself as well, and it's amazing. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> but I, it was amazing how spot on it was. I actually felt like I was back in those board meetings where things were just happening like qu so quickly, and you're just like, if you didn't speak up or pay close attention, you'd be lost. Or you'd receive a new big assignment. Or, yeah, you'd end up with a big assignment that you didn't want, yep. Yeah. That's always a problem, yes. So, um, also, while going through the book, I noticed there was a lot of similarities with certain people, uh, with real-life people. And, you know, I, Are I'm you asking if you're in the book, Dan? No. I'm pretty sure Larry is Larry Korea. You know? Yes. Yeah, and, and... So, I needed to do some work. I, I needed to have... Uh, I needed to do a, a gunfight. Yeah. And I thought, how fantastic, you know, that one of my close friends is Larry Correa, who's an expert in this. And so we sent a lot of emails back and forth. I explained the scene that I needed and, you know, what I would like to happen. And so he laid out for me 
um, in far more detail than eventually made it into the book, what kinds of weapons they would be using and why they would be using them and how they would be using them. And kind of as a way to thank him for that, uh, I asked if I could put him into the book. Mm. One of the evil organizations in the book, they, they kind of hire a group of mercenaries to be their thugs and enforcers. And they needed, you know, that, that gives them a wide spread of different people and body types. And they decided they were going to turn them all into the same one. You know, yeah. take the biggest and the best one and make all of their mercenaries into him. And that's Larry. So yep. there's 30 or 40 Larry Koreas in this book. Yeah. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> well, I also like the fact that you threw in the model slash actor Dan Wells. Because I know you've had his picture, you know, like on your Facebook picture for some time where you had some weird crocheted outfit That's on. That's not actually Dan Wells. That was that was somebody else. Oh, okay. But, yes, um, I, so, <laughs> Dan Wells is a uh, an actor and a bodybuilder. He actually, at this point, doesn't really act anymore. He owns a gym. And uh, because... A lot of the book is playing with identity. Yeah. Loss of identity. I thought it would be so great to to slip this idea in there that towards the end of the, I guess, two-thirds of the book, yeah. um, the main character is, is trying to hide, and he realizes that he can't be himself anymore. And so he goes looking for black market DNA. This is after the, the lotion has kind of permeated society a little bit. And he doesn't want famous actor DNA. He wants, you know, relatively unknown actor DNA. And so as I was kind of pondering, well, you know, should I use a real name? Should I use a fake name? I hit on the idea of using Dan Wells for this. And he and I have, have talked a bit because whenever people try to tag me on Twitter, they end up tagging him. And, and so he's very cool about it and sends them my way. <laughs> so I said, hey, can I put you into this book? And he thought that was a funny idea. So, yeah, the uh, the main character goes looking for black market DNA and ends up buying Dan Wells so he can turn himself into that. And I just, I am glad other people think that's funny because I think that's the funniest thing in the world. Oh, and I thought it was hilarious. I never top it. And when I got to that part, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. You know, what? What better way to slip your name in and kind of just the whole thing, especially when you let off with that the the forward, where you're talking about to Dan Wells this, to Dan Wells that, and Dan yeah, Wells. Yeah, the, the book is dedicated to five or so different Dan Wellses around the world. Yeah, when you go to look on the internet, you find yourself. Yeah, that was awesome. That's hilarious. It kind of brought a full circle back for that. <laughs> so, well, um, you know. I noticed that every chapter had kind of a countdown clock to the end of the world. So what made December 14th, like, the day? I mean, was it just the roll of the dice? You just figured, hey, I'll make it that day? Or was there something significant uh, that you chose that day for? Ex-wife's birthday, well, maybe? <laughs> because I had been writing the book for so long, mm -hmm. the original draft was intended. So it's, a, it's an apocalypse. Oh, no. Looking at all these different apocalypse myths and, and theologies from around the world, there are a ton, way more than people think there are, Ragnarok, 
allusions in the book. Uh, and there also, at one point, was the Mayan calendar. And, and yeah. the, the intention was to end at the end of 2012. And I thought that would be so funny. And then there was no way to get it out until four years later. So I ended up changing that aspect of it, uh, which changed the dates a little bit. It didn't end at the end of December, but it did end in mid-December because I'd already set it up that way. Okay. But that was the original intention is that the world would end on the Mayan calendar because I thought that was funny. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is coming across, but a lot of the decisions in this book were made because I thought they were funny. Uh, and I thought I'm just going to get away with whatever I can get away with in this one. I, I honestly didn't kind of really ever think it would get published because it's so strange. Yeah. And so I decided to just be as audacious as I could possibly be. I put myself into it. I tracked it to the Mayan calendar. I, um, filled it with characters whose names are confusingly similar, which is one of the big no-nos of writing that you're not supposed to do. But it was another way to play with that loss of identity, where if I say Carrie, you don't know which of two or three different characters I might be talking about. Yeah. Uh, I think he also did that with Sonny or something like that. So, no, I... Yeah, Sonny's in there. I thought it was hilarious. I, I, I found myself laughing throughout this book more than the other ones. Of course, you know, you don't really laugh through John Cleaver's stories. Those are all about murder and mayhem, but... It was it was enjoyable. I I enjoyed it. I laughed several times, and yeah, you know, Lyle, the main character. There's just sometimes I'm just like, oh, man, you're just digging yourself into a deeper hole. Just shut up, just just stop, and yeah, and he he just keeps going. That delights me. So, here's a question. So we've got kind of three characters that stood out at least for me. If this movie be or this book became a movie. Who would you like to see cast for Lyle, Cynthia, and Susan? Oh, man. Lyle needs to be either a schlubby nobody. Okay. Or Me. he needs to be a big name. You know? Like, I would love to see, I don't know, Paul Giamatti. Okay. Or, I can't remember the actor's name, the guy who plays the acting agent on Entourage. Like, I'd love to see him. Someone who's kind of slimy, someone who's kind of dumpy, and yet someone who can pull off playing however many different roles, because by the end of the book, there are so many Lyles yeah. that, you know, it, you, it would be a face that you would see constantly and everywhere. So, someone like that, or, you know... Just somebody famous, so that you could say, "Oh, look, Damon's in this movie fifty-seven times." <laughs> yeah. All right. What about Cynthia or Susan? Um. Well, Cynthia. Boy, I don't know. Cynthia is, and there's a there's a tendency you will see in my fiction to do kind of slightly older, middle-aged women who are heartless and efficient. Oh, yeah, this, that was definitely Cynthia. <laughs> and that's definitely Cynthia. That shows up in several other places throughout my books. Um, so, you know, someone like that. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I have a specific casting in mind. I don't tend to cast my books. Okay. Um, 
because I don't want to. I don't want to pigeonhole them. But yeah, Fair someone enough. like that. All right. But of course, Dan Wells would need to play Dan Wells, right? Dan Wells would need to play Dan. In fact, if Dan Wells could play Lyle, like that would be that would be even a funnier. Black hole of awesomeness, and the movie would absorb itself <laughs> and all other things into it. That would be awesome. It'd be the nexus of the universe. And then you could have. Then you already have built in your own. Uh, and then for cameo. Susan, I don't know what I would do with Susan. Susan needs to be. I mean, I, I, I am always looking for any excuse to put someone like Rosamund Pike into my books, but yeah. she, that would work. Basically, that kind of idea. Yeah. Cute blonde. Cute blonde who can play crazy lunatic when called upon to do so, because Susan has that side. Yeah. Someone younger, you know, like a, like a New York college age, you know, ranting at the world. Occupy Wall Street, like that's who Susan is. Okay. Hmm. Now, is this just going to be a standalone, or is there a possibility of either a spinoff or a sequel? I mean, I know how the book ends, but there is a possibility <laughs> of more. If there were to be a sequel, it would be so wildly different from the book itself yeah me, from, from the first book that i don't know if anyone would be interested in it like if you loved extreme makeover come read this other book that is completely different in every way because that would be the only way to follow it up yeah uh, i have no plans for a sequel okay i actually this same thing with hollow city uh which was designed as a standalone it is in my mind unfollowable but people often ask about sequels to it, and I just kind of really love the freedom of a standalone, that I can do anything and I can end it any way I want, and we're done, and, yeah. and it doesn't matter. And there's nothing wrong with a good standalone, to be honest. Exactly. It was just, it was, it was just interesting because of the way it ends. I'm like, huh, could there be more? Because it kind of leaves you wondering... But at the same there time, there could be, but it would be super weird. It would be weird. It would be. I, I'll I'll agree with that. But or I could just leave it to my imagination, and I get to tell the stories. You guys are leaving there a lot to our imagination. Oh, no, I'm sorry. not gonna I'm, lie. There will be there will be Dan Wells fan fiction that continues the story on. Oh man, can you imagine? <laughs> um, one thing I will say is my the draft of this book that I that I actually sold uh, before editing. Mm-hmm. was about 70,000 words longer. Oh, wow. Like an entire John Cleaver book yeah. that was cut out in editing. And so uh, I have gone through and I have saved all of those cut scenes because in in most cases, what was cut was not little bits of scenes, but entire scenes or plot lines. Yeah. And so, like, the character of Tony, who's kind of a small-time thief, Yeah. he had this whole thing. There's chapters and chapters of Tony. Oh, and man. And so I would like at some point to maybe assemble all of those cut bits into a cutting room floor director's, you know, deleted scenes kind of DVD extra yeah. and sell that as an ebook. book uh, But I don't know at what point that would happen. Yeah, I mean, if there's enough, you could do a side novella, The Tony Files, or something like that. <laughs> I, I love Tony's character, I mean, especially when he's stuck as a woman. Yep, he's stuck as a woman for a while. Yeah. 
it. Just for a side note, oh, and, and, I hate lotion. I hate lotion. Oh, and, I hate all kinds of lotion. Like yeah. it's greasy. It's slimy. The lotion is gross and slimy. And now yeah. you are giving me a genuine fear of lotion. Well, yeah, th- th- this lotion turns Tony into a, 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 a menopausing woman. You see, that's that's reason to be afraid. <laughs> little little toy that's going to come alive underneath my bed, Chucky. No, that's nothing to fear about. Now, lotion. <laughs> that's terrifying. There it is. McKay's not going to... He's going to follow up with I, the, the I, Chucky doll. I like lotion. Scares yeah, him. I was like, I don't like any, I'll either of those. They all freak me out. Still put it in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So again, we're gonna we'll wrap this up with two questions about Daniel. So, what is your favorite board or card game at this time? Because I know you love games, and that changes. But at this time, what's your favorite? At this moment. Yes. Oh boy. Um. Well, actually, as we sit here talking, I am uh, sorting through my Arkham Horror. LCG cards, so I'm gonna have to say that one. <laughs> All right, that's that's a good game. And then it is a great game. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I would want to fly because it would be fun. All right. I think there's a lot of good arguments as to why flying is is not as not as effective of a crime fighting tool as people think it is. Certainly not in a vacuum. Yeah. But. Uh, it would be awesome, and I would enjoy it. So that's what I would want to do. And going to cons would be super cheap. Oh, man, can you imagine? I know. And getting around in the trade show floor <laughs> would be great. But at the same time, getting to the con, like, that just would be scary because there's 747s up there with you, and you don't know when they're coming, and how fast do those things go? I mean, what, you're going to hear like a little, oh, I think I hear something. Mm, bam! And you're, that, that's splat, you know, right? I wouldn't want to fly that high anyway. It'd be cold. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess I just assumed if you're flying, you have, like, impervience. No, we're not Superman flying. We're not Superman flying. We're not Superman flying. Okay, we're more casual flying. Gotcha. So do you have to flap your arms, too? No, no, no. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how that that would work. But flight, that's a good one. That is a good one. Remind me when we actually get three wishes to be very specific. I want Superman (laughs) flight. Okay. Not... Birdman flies. I'll, I'll remember to make that note. Yeah, that would be kind of annoying. Yeah. Got to flap your arms the whole time. So, at, okay, Extreme Makeover Apocalypse Edition is available now. Uh, you can pick yes, up a is. copy. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's at bookstores. Uh, it, is, it has a bright pink back and uh, side, so it's not easy to miss. Um, but it's a really cool cover. It really is. Uh, it it has like DNA spiraling on it, and then some like ink patterns. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to describe. Smear. Yeah. Just to make it scarier. So. Well, I'm petrified. Now, what do you have coming next? I mean, because it sounds like you're going to be wrapping up the Mirador series, and then you got John Cleaver. You're wrapping up. Is is that kind of it for now until next year or down the road? Uh, next year, uh, or I should say this year, just in a few months, in June, book six of John Cleaver comes out, which is the end of that series. Okay. And that's called Nothing Left to Lose. Then next year in February, book three of Mirador comes out, which is called Active Memory. 
And that's the end of that series, at least for now. I hope to write more of that eventually. Nice. And then beyond that, we're just kind of waiting to see. Uh, I've sent very big, what I think is very awesome proposal for a new supernatural thriller series. Nice. Kind of a what is Dan doing after John Cleaver kind of thing. And so we'll see if that, uh, we'll see where that sells. I'm confident it will sell somewhere, but I don't know where. And then I'm also, I just started writing an epic fantasy novel that oh, wow. I'm hoping to spin out into a series. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, I know epic fantasy is what you've always wanted to write, and then it didn't quite work, and then John Cleaver exploded, and now you're coming yeah. back. Well, and I, uh, you know, I love writing what I write, thrillers and science fiction, and now Mirador is science fiction thriller, just to bring it all home. Yeah. Uh, but I have lots of ideas. I, I sent five pitches to my agent at the beginning of the year and said, here, talk to your other people, talk to the editors, talk to the foreign editors, see what people are interested in. And so uh, we're just kind of in the process of, of gauging interest and in, in writing. One of them will definitely be that supernatural thriller, uh, which is tentatively titled The Window That Can Never Be Closed, although I know that's going to change. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm the only person that likes it. I think that's and a pretty cool title. The uh, the epic fantasy is super weird, but that's, I think, what people expect from me at this point. So that's where we're going. All right. Well, that sounds awesome and amazing all at the same time. So thanks, you know, as always, for taking some time out of your day to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Um, Everyone, go out, buy copies of Ones and Zeros, Blue Screen, all the John Cleaver books, Extreme Makeover Apocalypse Edition, because they're awesome, fantastic books that you're going to enjoy, you're going to love, as well as, you know, uh, I I Am Not a Serial Killer was made into a movie that stars Christopher Lloyd, which I believe is on Netflix right now. Uh, it is so you can take a you can watch that but i would suggest reading the book because it's so much more uh, entertaining and it's just nothing against the movie but it's just so much more fun seeing it in your head that's at least my opinion so awesome but with that said uh we're out here it's morphin time nailed it first try